Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Friday, April the 7th, 2023. It is currently 3.11 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Now, everything I just said, I think I think that was very clear, right? I think you could hear me clearly. Hopefully, the sound quality is good enough. We've been working on it for days, but I think we've got the sound quality all figured out. I think it's at a sufficient volume, not too loud, not too quiet. And I think I enunciated everything decently. I mean, I am from West Texas, so but I think I enunciated everything clearly, right? It is Friday. It tells you the day of the week. It is April, all right? That tells you the month. It is Friday, April the 7th. That specifically tells you the day of the month. So you have the day of the week, you have the month, you have the day of the month. I gave you the specific time and the time zone. I think I said 3.11 p.m., Central Time, I told you where I'm coming to you live from, the Theology Central Studio, and I even, to even make it more specific, I named the city Abilene, and I even gave you the state Texas. So I think anyone who listens to this podcast episode would be like, he was explicitly clear. He was he was so very clear on the date, the time, Everything, where he was coming live to you live from. I mean, I, I could even give you more details, but I think that was all extremely clear. There should be no misunderstanding. There should be no dispute. There should be no debate. There should be no division. There should be perfect unity on when this broadcast occurred and from where it originated. I think everyone should be able to be absolutely clear on that. Now, sitting here to my right is a Bible. And as Christians, we want to believe that the Bible is very clear, that the Bible is easy to understand, and that you can understand it if you will read it. And to even add to the supposed clarity of Scripture, Christians believe at at large that God will help you understand it. God will give you a correct understanding, that the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. This is a common teaching within the evangelical world. It says all the time, pastors will, when they get ready to preach, will pray, Lord, open our eyes, show us what your word means, lead us into truth. Truth, as if we have a divine teacher, guide, and instruction instructor leading us to the correct understanding of Scripture. Christians will say, if you don't understand it, pray, and God will show you what it means. Now, Christians make these claims without ever thinking about it, but I want you to think about it. 2,000 years of church history— Everyone claiming the Bible is basically clear and claiming that we have divine assistance and understanding it. And where has that gotten us? Well, let me try to explain. No one agrees on baptism. No one agrees on the Lord's Supper. No one agrees on church structure. No one agrees on salvation. No one agrees on sanctification. No one agrees on basically anything. You take any scripture, you can just sit in a, in a, in a Sunday school or a small group. And if you give everyone the opportunity to go around and tell you what they think the scripture means, you'll end up with 50 different meanings. Even if you only have 10 people in your small group or Sunday school, it's absolutely to me insane to think about that. You can get 20 commentaries and you may walk away with 50 interpretations. There's church after church. There are thousands of different evangelical Protestant groups. Nobody agrees the same. We don't agree on the end times. We don't agree. I mean, just you just name it. We don't agree. We don't agree on the nature of man. We don't agree on what happens after salvation. We don't, if if you're honest, we don't even truly agree on justification, even though we say we do. We don't. We don't really agree on anything. 
Now, whenever I say this, Christians get really, really, really mad and they always push back and they get really frustrated that I would say this. Typically, it's on YouTube. The YouTube comments always go like this. Well, the reason Christians don't understand is because A, most people aren't really Christians. Okay. Now, I love this. So the reason most people don't agree is because they're not really Christians. But of course, the one posting the comment, they're always the true Christian. They always do understand. Everyone else is not a Christian, but they, they are always the true Christian. Or the reason Christians don't understand is because they're living in sin, implying they understand so they're not living in sin. So the reason other people don't understand is because they're living in sin or because they're not really seeking the Holy Spirit. But of course, that person is. And, and I want you to think about it. Whenever you claim that God helped you come to your interpretation, God was the one who showed you what it means, then you're claiming your interpretation is, drumroll please, infallible, because it came from God. I don't know when Christians don't understand that. They're like, how dare the Pope think that he can speak at times in an infallible way? That is ridiculous. But when we walk around claiming that God gave me the interpretation, God show me, God's going to lead me into all truth. Well, then you're claiming any conclusion you come to, you were led to by God, which would make it Oh, yes, an infallible truth. See, I don't know why Christians can never figure that out. But we walk around claiming the scripture is clear. The scripture is clear. You can understand it. You can. Now, we always say, well, there's some things that are difficult to understand. But for the most part, it's pretty easy to understand. But the difficult part, if you'll just pray, if you'll just compare scripture with scripture, if then then you'll, you can understand it. Now, I hold, obviously, a radically different approach. My approach is clearly it's not clear, <laughs> okay? And clearly no one's going to understand and clearly God is not leading us into all truth. I believe that promise in the gospel was directed towards the disciples and those who would write the New Testament and they were led into all truth because they did give us an infallible document, which is scripture. That promise is not for everyone else or all my conclusions would be infallible, all right? And they're not, okay? So I believe that that is for the writers of scripture, which gave us the inspired, inerrant, infallible word of God. All right. So I'm okay with that. When it comes to us, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. All we can do is study, 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 and try to figure it out. I don't believe it's clear. I don't. I believe if you just even halfway honest with scripture, you'll be like, well, wait a minute. This seems to say this, but this seems to say this. Well, wait a minute. This seems to say, well, wait a minute. This, and you, and if you're even, if you're even remotely honest, you would have to at least acknowledge that it appears. I'm not saying it's, it's absolutely true. I'm saying you would have to say it appears the scripture is never ending contradiction. That's what it is. It's just filled with never-ending contradiction. And you're like, oh, wait, is it this way? Is it this way? And if it wasn't, so, if that wasn't so, then you wouldn't have, I mean, we can't even agree on the right method of baptism. We can't even agree on who should be baptized. We're not, we can't even agree within Christianity in whose name. Is it in the name of Jesus or in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? We can't agree on what baptism actually does or doesn't do. We can't agree on the nature of the Lord's Supper. We can't agree on when should, when should we take it, when should we not take it, who should be able to take it. We can't agree on the who, who should be a member of the church and who shouldn't be a member of the church. We can't agree on when to do church discipline, not do church discipline. We can't even agree on if someone gets divorced, can they get remarried? We can't even agree if someone can get divorced or not get divorced. I mean, literally, literally, we can't, uh, we can't seem to agree on much of anything. And that is, that is, uh, just, I don't know about you. It's utterly maddening. And it's frustrating. And, and I, I know I'm going to get YouTube comments and I'm going to get emails going, no, 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 no. It's really not that complicated. It's really, it's really, it's really simple. It's really, it's really simple. And I am sorry. I just, I, I've got two, I've got 2000 years of church history to show it's not simple. I mean, literally, I mean, what more do you need? Christians have been arguing and fighting forever uh, and, and for a very long time claiming the Bible is the final authority. Just compare scripture with scripture. Okay, well, <laughs> I, I, I know it, it's not that simple. So 
Here's what happened earlier to, was it yesterday? May have been early this morning. I don't remember when. I got a notification on my iPad from one of my podcast apps. And it simply was a, I, I don't remember the name of the podcast at the moment. I didn't, I, I didn't pay attention to the name. I just saw the title and it said something like, is scripture clear? And I was like, whoa, I've got to find it. So I found it at the Gospel Coalition, the Gospel Coalition. I downloaded it and we're just going to, we're going to just start reviewing what they had to say. It's from a conference that they held and, and see if I can find the description here. Let's see if I can find the description. Let's see if I can find the description. Let me see here if I can find the description. Is scripture clear? This was published today, April the 7th, 2023. So that's obviously when I got the notification. And it says in the TGC 17 breakout session. So I'm assuming this is from 2017. Um, I guess, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm assuming they're numbering them after the year. Maybe that's just the 17th TGC conference. I have no idea. Kevin DeYoung discusses the significance of accurate biblical interpretation, addressing the issue of pervasive interpretive pluralism within Christianity. Pervasive interpretive pluralism. Now, that's a phrase we all need to write down. Interpret pervasive or just interpretive pluralism within Christianity, not outside of Christianity, within Christianity, interpretive pluralism. DeYoung emphasizes the sufficiency, and here it is, here's the words, clarity of scripture. See, supposedly the scripture is clear. Supposedly the scripture is clear. Now, many of the historical confessions speak of the clarity of scripture. That it's clear, that it's, it's clear, it's, uh, that it's, it's clear enough to be sufficient for what you need for salvation. But do pe- people don't even agree on the gospel. People don't even agree on the word repentance. <laughs> people don't even agree on ordus salutis or the order of salvation. People don't even agree on, are we saved by a monergistic work of God or is it a synergistic work between God and us? There is literally no agreement on it. Anything. I don't know. I'm going to stress that. All right. But he's going to emphasize the clarity of scripture as well as the importance of interpreting scripture alongside the creeds, confessions, and traditions of the church. DeYoung also highlights the need for understanding church history to combat, once again, what he calls pervasive interpretive pluralism. Interpretive pluralism. I want you to just try to write that phrase down. Interpretive pluralism. Hopefully he will clearly define what he means by that. So we'll, we'll make this a part one and then we'll do a part two. Maybe we'll do a part three. Maybe this will turn into its own standalone series and I'll have someone create the artwork for it. And then maybe we'll throw in some other um, messages or do some Q&A if people have questions. But yes, I have a very specific, obviously, point of view here that is different from everyone else. And I don't apologize for that. I got 2,000 years of church history going, nobody agrees. I've been a pastor long enough hearing the art people argue with me, no, you're wrong. And then they leave. You're wrong. They leave. You're wrong. They leave. And you just at some point, you're like, you know what? Yeah. You're going to interpret the Bible the way you want. I'm going to interpret the Bible I want. You're going to say I'm wrong. I'm going to say you're wrong. And the the two shall never meet. And there's never any way to reconcile it. There's never any way to fix it. It's just how broken the whole thing has become. Now I can hear Catholics going, yeah, because you threw out the authority of the church and you gave the authority of interpretation to the individual and that's where it gets you. I do understand that argument. And I, and I can't completely dismiss how broken things are though. Uh, but here we go. Let's, let's see how uh, Kevin DeYoung, I believe it's Kevin DeYoung, how he handled this subject. TGC 17, I'm assuming 2017, but I don't know. I could be wrong. Whatever the 17 stands for, it was that conference breakout season, breakout session, breakout season, breakout session. And uh, this was published and posted today, August, August, April the 7th, 2023. I'm messing up everything. Um, And uh, here we go. And uh, you can find it at thegospelcoalition.org, thegospelcoalition.org. I would challenge you to not only go to the website, subscribe to their podcast. And um, 
and I do apologize for messing up some words there. Um, we we got a, I got a notification that the the webcast restarted, so that typically means we lost internet connection. And I'm but I I didn't see anything that happened, so I don't know what happened. But uh, if if you're listening to us on Church One, uh, let me know if we lost connection at any point. Um, you know, with new computer, I'm trying to be very careful that everything is working correctly. All right, but I don't want to get into that. Let's not let's not pursue that rabbit. We'll let that rabbit run away. Let's get to this conference because I want to know: Is Scripture clear? They have a question mark. They're going to answer yes. I'm going to answer. You're out of your mind. Obviously, it's not clear because nobody can understand it. All right, here we go. Are you ready? Let's enjoy this. Welcome to the Gospel Coalition podcast, equipping the next generation of believers, pastors, and church leaders to shape life and ministry around the gospel. On today's episode, you'll hear a message from Kevin DeYoung from TGC's 2017 National Conference. Here's our topic for this breakout session. If the Bible is so clear, why are there so many different interpretations? It is a question related to the clarity of Scripture. Okay, now that's a good question. I do like the fact they they're there. Now remember, you may be going, well, how did you know he wasn't going he was not going to say that? Or how did you not know? Because I don't listen to what we review first. Remember, we listen to it together real time. So that's always more fun, all right? So it may I may bring up questions in my introduction that they immediately address, but I'm still going to do it that way because it's more fun for me not knowing where we're going. But I love the fact they're at least addressing the question. If the Bible is so clear, then why is there so many interpretations? Now, I wonder how he's going to answer it. Typically, Christians are like, well, the Bible is clear. The problem is in all of us. See, the problem is we don't, we don't pray enough. We don't, we, we commit too much sin or we're not legitimately saved. It, the problem, usually immediately the people start being blamed. But what I love is when we blame the people, we never blame ourselves. In other words, we always think it's clear to me and I understand it. The reason you don't agree with me is because you're in sin. You're not godly. You're possibly not even saved. That's what it leads to. That's what people never understand when they put forth that argument. You're putting forth an argument, but you are assuming and you're telling me that you are saved. You're not living in sin. And God has shown you the interpretation, which... That's how cults get started. The older language is the perspicuity of Scripture, which is an odd word to refer to the clarity of Scripture since no one is clear anymore what perspicuity means, but it's a good term. If, you've ever, if you ever read an older theology book, the perspicuity of Scripture is, uh, is a term that you will read, and you may not know what that is, perspicuity of Scripture. I, I, I don't agree with that theological teaching. I just, I, no, I don't believe it's clear. I don't believe it's clear. I just don't believe it's clear. I mean, 2,000 years of church history. And now people say, no, 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 it's clear on the, on the basics. Well, if it's clear on the basics... If it's uh, someone with a motorcycle outside, see, trying to drown out my clarity, um, if it's so clear, then why do we not even really agree on salvation? I mean, we don't. You can say we do. There are those who believe you can lose it. There's some believe you can't lose it. Some believe you get it because a work of God alone. Some people believe because God does his part and you do your part. It's, it's on and on and on and on and on. It's, it's, uh, it's, and we, I mean, we could just, there's so, there's everything from a Pelagian, semi-Pelagian to an Augustinian from Calvinism to Arminianism. You just go through it all. And so I, yeah, but all right, here we go. If the Bible is clear, we believe that as Protestants, it was one of the, the, the foundational issues around Scripture in the Reformation. They did not disagree whether the Bible was authoritative or whether it was true, but they often disagreed, Protestants and Catholics, on to what degree it could be considered clear, understandable. Now, I wonder why. I want you to think about this. Why do you think there was so much argument over this perspicuity, the clarity of Scripture in the Reformation? Because the Reformation was making, I want to make sure you understand this. The Reformers were making a gigantic claim 
Here's what they were claiming. All right, here we go. We no longer need to bow our knee to the church's interpretation. The church doesn't have the right, the power, and the ability to interpret the scripture alone. We all can. Everyone from the farmer to the school teacher to it, to the carpenter, everyone can take a Bible, read it, and interpret it. Now, whether they still would have argued for, for some authority to the local church, obviously, but ultimately they were saying, no, the scriptures are clear. We don't need a magisterial authority. We don't need the authority of a pope or a priest. We don't need the authority of the church. The scriptures are clear. So that means you could read it and then Luther could say, based off scripture, the church is wrong. And then you could just, well, then stand against the entire church. So, but, so obviously you had to teach that the scriptures were clear, <laughs> that you could read it and you could tell everyone else they're wrong. I mean, th- this would be central to the entire Reformation. Readable. If the Bible is clear, why are there so many different interpretations? The problem in that question starts with an undeniable fact. There are, in fact, many different interpretations, different theologies, different beliefs, and many of those theologies, beliefs, interpretations claim to be rooted in the Bible. There are many churches in each of our communities which claim to have beliefs that are very different from ours, and they say they're rooted in the Scriptures. We could talk about even in a gathering with very like-minded folks like we have here at the Gospel Coalition for these three days, we could easily start talking about our different interpretations. In his book, The Bible Made Impossible, Christian Smith coined this phrase. Uh, He's very good at at coining phrases. I'm going to, throughout this talk, be critical of the book, but this phrase is helpful. He calls it pervasive interpretive Pluralism, P-I-P, pervasive interpretive pluralism. All right, P-I-P, pervasive interpretive pluralism. This is the phrase that I'm very interested in. For, I, I, I don't know how long we will review this particular, uh, in this particular episode, but I want us to make sure we understand P-I-P, pervasive interpretive pluralism. PIP. And I, I, do, I, I'm glad he at least acknowledges there is so, there's, there's lots of different interpretations. I don't know if he's gonna, I, I, I think when Christians do acknowledge it, they almost play it down. They almost want to play it down. They want to minimize it where I don't want to minimize it. I want, I look in all of my years of being a Christian. I mean, I'll just look at my email in a normal week. It's constantly disagree, 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 disagree. And I was like, okay, is there anyone out there who actually agrees that that's typically how it works? Now, some weeks I get a lot of positive ones. Now you could argue that I get more negative ones because typically when people have something negative to say, they're much more motivated to email than when they have something positive to say. And that's probably true. But nevertheless, it demonstrates how much disagreement that anything can generate. You just basically say, God, and I'm like, no, no, you said it wrong. Okay. You just say, you read in the beginning. No, 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 no. Immediately, I mean, it doesn't matter. You just do anything with theology or the Bible. Someone's going to disagree with you. All right, but I, I like that phrase, P-I-P, uh, perpet- or not perpetual, pervasive, pervasive interpretive pluralism, pervasive interpretive pluralism. We need, we need to see if he's going to define this term. I want, to, I want him to define this term. Here we go. That throughout the Bible, there are pervasively a plurality of interpretations. You can think about these sometimes with historical reference, people who supported slavery, people who thought that the Bible suggested the earth was flat, it is said, or who thought the earth was the center of the solar system. They had wrong interpretations, did they not? I was reading not too long ago Anthony Thistleton's commentary on 1 Corinthians, and I forget how many dozens of explanations he said there were on that passage in chapter 15 on baptisms for the dead. 
Does anybody really know what that means? In his book, Christian Smith gives 17 different readings of John 4, Jesus meeting with the woman at the well. So which one is correct? What are we to do if we have all of these interpretations? Surely it was not a coincidence that right around the time that Christian Smith wrote this book, he was also moving from evangelicalism to Catholicism. And then many of you will have some of those And you know why he probably moved from evangelicalism to Catholicism? Look, now you, you may not like to hear this, but the reason some people move to Catholicism, I, I know this is a shock to the average evangelical, the average Protestant Christian, they, they, they just don't understand it. But because those of us who realize how utterly maddening it is to just that nobody agrees on anything, right? It's just, you just can't take it anymore, right? And if you've ever been a preacher and, and a pastor, you know this. It's like there's always someone who's going to argue with you, someone who's going to disagree. And at some point, you're just like, you know what? Well, then you guys preach. I just quit. I give up, right? Well, I if you realize just how maddening it all is and nobody can agree and, and the different groups within Protestant evangelicalism almost are like in different units. Universes. I mean, go to some charismatic churches and come to my church. You won't even know you're in the same religion anymore, right? I mean, it's it, you won't even know it's the same religion. It's insane insanity. Well, guess what happens? You're like, you know what? We can't interpret it. We can't figure it out. So I'm going to give up trying. I'm going to surrender myself to the magisterial authority of the Roman Catholic Church and believe that they have been given, in a sense, apostolic succession. They have the authority. They have the ability to interpret the scripture. So there's only one body interpreting it. Instead of a million popes, there's only one pope. Instead of a million magisterial authorities, there's only one magisterial authority. Now you say, well, the Catholic Church has not always agreed. I understand that, but don't even try to compare those issues with the thousands upon thousands of Protestants groups who can't agree literally on anything. You can see why the Catholic Church would be appealing, right? Who cares what you think? Who cares what I think? What does the church think? All right. They either gave an interpretation or they didn't give an interpretation. And if that's what they said, that's what we go with. End of story. I don't have to spend my life arguing with people and trying to figure it out. Now, I know for some of you that you're like, that's like, I can't believe anybody would think that way. Well, I, I don't know why, why you can't believe anybody would think that way. Maybe the fact that nobody will ever listen and it's argue, 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 disagree, disagree. And that's all we ever do in the evangelical Protestant world. You can see why some people would say enough with this. Just stop talking to me. I'm, I'm leaving. It may not bother you that nobody agrees. And, 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 and usually the people it doesn't bother are the people who always think they're right. <laughs> hey, the problem is everyone else. I'm right. Everyone else is a sinner. Everyone else is not saved, but I'm saying, I guess if you just are convinced that you're the only one right, I guess it's okay. I don't know, but I, it, it drives me crazy. Multiple view books. I have several of them. There are more than 30 available, and I have probably more than a dozen of them. You know, four views on tithing, or three views on the Sabbath, two views on women in ministry, three views on baptism, four views on the end times. And as helpful as those books can be to present uh, in one place the pros and cons and a response for different ideas and theologies. Yet the net effect sometimes I fear is that we present to the world and to each other that Christian theology is just a great grab bag, just a smorgasbord, and nobody really agrees on anything, and we're all just trying to figure out your four views, my three views, and we just sort of pick and choose. Yeah, you're worried that we give the world that perception? We're not giving the world a perception they are seeing the reality of it. If there's more than 30 of those kinds of books, you know why there's more than 30 of those kinds of books? Because we don't agree on anything, okay? You, you, and don't tell me we don't just pick and choose. Everyone picks and chooses their theology, their team, and then that's the team they stay on. And then they just yell and scream that everyone else is wrong. It's not a perception. It's a reality, and it's a painful, sad, 
depressing reality. This may be, for many folks, one of the biggest defeaters to a Christian worldview. You try hard to explain your beliefs, and rather than people engaging with you on the reasonability or the scriptural fidelity of your beliefs, they can just quickly throw a a rhetorical stiff arm and say, well, that's just your interpretation. Or maybe they say, well, but what about all the denominations that we have? You can look at the latest book on denominations in the United States and find that even among those of some sizable number, they count more than 200. I counted in the last edition 27 Baptist ones. And I didn't count the Presbyterians because I didn't want to feel bad. So I just counted the Baptist ones. And, and what I... <laughs> Not only is it discouraging about trying to have a Christian worldview or present a Christian worldview because the world will be like, that's just your interpretation. To me, I, I, when I don't, it, it never bothers me how the world reacts. I'm like, whatever. What bothers me is, is it discourages me and even wanting to talk to Christians. Like, okay, it's like, oh, you're a Christian. Okay. Let's just, we're not going to talk the Bible. We're not going to talk Jesus. We're not going to talk the, we're not going to talk anything. We're not going to talk like, like if I, if I, if I'm in a new place, if I was and still in the work world, I'd be like, who are the Christians? Okay. I'm not going to lunch with you. I don't want to talk to you. I, I, where are the atheists? Where are the agnostics? Where is anybody? And you say, why wouldn't you want to hang out with your fellow brothers and sisters? Because in 15 minutes, it would turn into a theological disagreement on everything. Oh, wait a minute. You're reformed. Well, you know, I don't, I believe in free will. I can't believe. Okay. never mind. Just forget it. Forget it. Forget it. Forget it. Just forget it. Just, it doesn't matter. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to, I don't want to talk to Christians because there's no point because it's just immediate disagreement on literally everything. I mean, just hop on any social media platform and look for the Christians and there's going to be a theological war going on. Someone attacking someone, this group attacking that group and that group attacking that group and this group and that group and this group. And everyone's claiming that God showed them this and God told them this and God showed them this and, and God revealed this to them. And it's just like, never mind. Just get me out. Where's the nearest exit? Where's the nearest exit? Okay. Okay. Go. I'm taking the exit. I'm, I'm going to barricade the door behind me because I don't want any Christians following. You say, man, that's a negative perspective. I'm sorry. I, I've just, I've grown beyond just tired of it. I, I, um, and when I, when I became saved, right? So I was a brand new Christian, um, got baptized. I had not even probably been a Christian more than a week, a couple of days, maybe two weeks. Yeah, I'd have to look from the time of my uh, salvation and my baptism. I mean, it literally was relatively short and I'm in high school, right? High school. And it only took, I mean, it, I mean, this is a, you know, a public school and it only took a little bit of time. People found out that you know, I'd made a profession of faith. I'd made sure that people knew I'd made a profession of faith. And I, boom, here comes marching this girl, doom, 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 long dress goes all the way down to her ankles, no makeup, no jewelry, long, long hair. And she's like, oh, I heard that you became a Christian. Yes. Well, um, uh, how are you baptized? Uh, by immersion in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. Your baptism didn't count. You have to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And then you need to seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you'll know you have the Holy Spirit when you speak in tongues. And I'm like, what are you talking about? So I'm not, I don't really have the Holy Spirit and my baptism was invalid. What is going on? About within about 10 to 15 minutes after that, another girl walks up to me and go, oh, you're a Christian now? You've been reading the Bible? Yes. So what do you think of 1 Maccabees? And I was like, uh, wait, what are you talking? I had my Bible with me. I was like, I come find out, oh, she's a Catholic and she's talking about the Apocrypha. So we're like within, immediately when I get around anyone who professed any faith in Christianity, I was already having disagreements with, the, with teenagers in high school. Immediately I realized, and and I, I now at the time I did I I kind of just ignored it, but it did not take me long as a Christian. There there was this period of time where I was all excited about Christianity because I'm like, oh, we all believe in Jesus and we're all going to love each other and we're going to be unified and we're working together. It's almost like being in a and this 
global community. It, there was like this kind of, there was, I had this romanticized view of it. And then before long, it just all shattered. It's like this person disagrees and they disagree and they disagree and they disagree and they disagree. And then I was foolish enough, like one day I'm going to be in ministry. And then you become a pastor and like, and nobody agrees. <laughs> and then I'm like, I'm really going to be dumb. I'm going to become a Christian podcaster. Well, I mean, there was no such thing as podcasting when I started broadcasting. I'm going to become a Christian broadcaster. Oh, yeah, I get kicked off Christian radio. <laughs> by the Christian owner because, well, they disagreed, even though I didn't actually break any rule that they gave me. Immediately, it's just like, it's just, yeah, it's just maddening. And it happens in interpersonal conversation. I remember many years ago when I was on a, a panel for this thing called the Emergent Church. Some of you remember that? the emergent church, and afterwards, someone who was very upset with what I had said on the panel got very animated with me, and I started to get a little animated as well because our conversation was going absolutely nowhere, and I would try to give a verse of the Bible, and then he would say, well, that's your interpretation. And then I would say, well, but, but Paul reasoned with the Jews or reasoned with the, the people in the, in the hall of Tyrannus, and he believed that there was a, a correct interpretation, and that's why he used reason and, and brought in the scriptures, and he'd say, well, that's just your interpretation. And then I would say something else, and he'd say, well, that's just your interpretation about how they interpreted their interpretation. You can see it was not going anywhere. And his wife had one of those wifely looks like, please be quiet. But we have that conversation. I, I've had that before, trying to you know, do my, my pastoral duty and have a good you know, evangelistic conversation with someone. And you don't get to the level of actual disagreement and intellectual engagement, but it just stops at, well, you have your interpretation and I have mine. So how do we respond to this charge of pervasive interpretive pluralism, whether it comes from non-believing friends or friends we may have in the Catholic Church, or others, or even our own sense of question and quandary. What do we do? How do we understand that the Bible is clear and there are so many different interpretations? Well, it is a massive question, and I won't pretend in the next 45 minutes to have you leave here thinking that problem was solved once and for all. But now, I'm a little disappointed because it doesn't sound like he's really, he's trying to kind of explain pervasive interpretive pluralism. Um, he doesn't really seem to be defining it. If we look at plural, pluralism, pluralism as a political philosophy is the recognition and affirmation of diversity within a political body, which is seen to permit, to permit the peaceful coexistence of different interests, convictions, and lifestyles. So pervasive interpretive pluralism is basically where Christians, I think, reach kind of an attitude as well. You interpret it your way. I'm going to interpret it my way, almost kind of a relativistic kind of way, basically, which is like, okay, we're just going to recognize and affirm all of this diversity and in interpretation. We're just going to recognize it, affirm it, and it's going to permit the peaceful coexistence of different interests. We're just going to allow it to happen. Now, I, I, I don't know if I agree that people peacefully coexist. I think there's arguing, 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 arguing. I think he, I think the original person who authored the term, according to the term, pervasive interpretive pluralism, just I think what he was trying to show is there's just a diversity, a pluralistic diversity of interpretation, that the interpretations are just never ending. It just never stops. And that cannot be denied. All right, now. How do you fix it? Is there a fix? Now, I want to make sure you understand how foolish it is to even ask if there's a fix. Because if there's a fix, how come in, no one has fixed it in 2,000 years? <laughs> you gotta, you're going to be out of your mind to go, I've, uh, in this breakout session, I'm going to try to help us fix this. You're not going to fix it. If that, I think if it was 2017, it's 2023. <laughs> clearly, clearly, we haven't fixed it. All right, but let's let's see where he goes. But let me suggest to you ten possible responses to the charge of pervasive interpretive pluralism. Ten 
related, overlapping ways we might answer the question, if the Bible is so clear, why are there so many different interpretations? Number one, first response, we need a proper understanding of the sufficiency of Scripture. The sufficiency of Scripture. Here's what the Westminster Confession says. The whole counsel of God concerning all things necessary for his own glory Man's salvation, faith, and life is either expressly set down in Scripture or by good and necessary consequence may be deduced from Scripture. There's a definition of the sufficiency of Scripture. Now, Now, I I, I do appreciate that he's going to try to answer this charge. If Scripture is so clear, right, then why do we have all these different interpretations? Now, he's operating from a presupposition that Scripture is clear. He's starting that it is clear. He's not even going to entertain the fact that maybe it's not as clear as we think that it is. Because if it's so clear, why all these problems? So he's going to say, oh, no, 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 it is clear. The problem, once again, is in all of us. And it starts that we need a proper understanding of the sufficiency of Scripture. So part of the problem is that we have Christians who don't understand that Scripture is sufficient. And if we could get Christians who understand the sufficiency of Scripture, we could fix our problems. (laughs) That is so comical. Oh, that is so comical. Just look at the people who have a strong belief in the sufficiency of Scripture and see if you even find agreement amongst them. And the answer will be... You will not. Okay. Maybe the differences are not as dramatic as those who may not have a strong handling on the sufficiency of Scripture, but there's still going to be disagreement. You notice it says all things necessary for his glory, our salvation, faith, and life. The Bible does not purport to tell us everything we want to know about everything. It does not give us explicit instructions for many of life's dilemmas. It will not tell you how to change the oil in your car. It will not tell you how to fix your vehicle. I wish it did because I know absolutely nothing. And when I go in and I feel so dumb, even to get my oil changed, they say, well, could you pop the hood? Hmm. Why don't I see if you can pop the hood? I'm low on blinker fluid. That's all I know. That's why I came in here. The Bible doesn't tell us everything we want to know about everything. Sometimes the disagreements in interpretations actually concern matters that the Bible did not mean to address. And we have differences that are not really differences in interpretation, but perhaps differences in application or even in prudential matters that we're trying to read back into the Bible. So, for example, does the Bible mean to give you the maker's diet? Does the Bible mean to tell you what foods will make you healthy or not? Perhaps there's some wisdom to be gained in something with some of the food laws, but that's not the intent of the Bible. Will the Bible tell you what should or should not be in the federal budget? Now, you may bring to bear certain principles as a Christian and things we ought to care about, but the Bible is not going to settle that for you. The Bible is not a guide to alternative medicine. The Bible doesn't tell you how to fix your car or your computer. So there's all sorts of things. And we should not, we, we should have the humility to say with a number of these areas, look, I, I'm a Christian. I want to apply the Bible. I want to think biblical principles. But this is going to be a matter of prudential wisdom. And the Bible simply isn't going to give the final answer. Not because the Bible... Now, I, I do understand what he's saying. That maybe sometimes we're arguing over something the Bible doesn't give us the answer to. I, 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 I can understand that. But for crying out loud, we don't even understand and we don't even agree in the evangelical world on the meaning of the word repentance. We don't even agree in the evangelical world on the word baptizo or baptism. 
We don't even agree on what uh, sanctification is or isn't and how we under. We don't even truly agree on justification, even though we say we do. So those are things you would think the Bible is trying to give us information on. We don't agree on the on the structure of the church. Now, you can either one come to the conclusion the Bible doesn't really lay it out, but everyone thinks it does. You must have deacons and you must have a plurality of elders. No, no, no. You need a high. You can't be an independent church. You need a, a structure of hierarchy and you need all that. And you need bishops and this and that. And everyone fights and yells and screams and fights. No independent, no denominational, no a plurality of elders, no pastor led, no congregational led. No, no, no. And, well, you think the church was, would at least try to give us that, right? Or here's the thing. We can't even agree. <laughs> this is even more funny. We can't even agree. Does the Bible truly give us those instructions or not? People are like, the Bible is clearly tells us how to do it. And someone else is like, I don't know if the Bible is clearly telling us. No, it is. We can't even agree on if the Bible is clearly telling us how to do something or not telling us how to do something. <laughs> that's, that's sad, but it's the reality. The Bible's incomplete or insufficient, but because it does not mean to give the final answer on this particular question. The Bible has implications for lots of things, principles that can be applied in all of life, but we shouldn't think that everything we possibly want to take a stand on will be set down expressly in Scripture. I know of denominations that will spend all sorts of time, and this is not a made-up example, on whether to approve papers and study reports that say whether we should divest from this company because of their practices or whether the, uh, the, the rate of taxation should be at such a rate or at this or whether minimum wage should be at $7 or $8 or $9. Or even one time, there was, uh, in a denomination I was a part of, there was a paper that, in a measure that was to be uh, against purchasing and owning firearms that have uh, a certain number of round cap capacity in them. I don't even know anything about guns either, so you tell me. But magazines, I think of those as things you read, but you know what I mean. And I just thought, we as Christians, we're going to have a different opinion. Why are we sitting here pretending that the Bible settles this matter? So we need to have a proper understanding of the sufficiency of Scripture. Second response, we need to have a proper understanding of the clarity of Scripture. Again, let me read from the Westminster Confession. All things in Scripture are not alike plain in themselves, nor alike clear unto all. Yet those things which are necessary to be known, believed, and observed for salvation are so clearly propounded and opened in some place of Scripture or other that not only the learned but the unlearned in a due use of the ordinary means may attain unto a sufficient understanding of them. Now, what I think is funny is he's, he's deriving his points <laughs> from the Westminster Confession of Faith. I mean, I, I, you got to find that a little bit funny, right? Hey, I'm going to show, I'm going to make an argument about, hey, here, you know, if the Bible is clear, why are there so many different interpretations? And he's going to answer that by pulling comments <laughs> and statements from the Westminster Confession of Faith. So is the Westminster Confession of Faith the clear articulation then of what the Bible teaches? So in a roundabout way, I know he's not trying to imply this, but in a way, is he not implying the way we, the way we answer the question, why is there so many interpret, uh, uh, why is there so many different interpretations? It's because people are not using the Westminster Confession of Faith. Right? And, and, uh, Right? Now, let's see. Now, I think I know what he's, he's going to, I think what he's going to do, he's going to say the Bible is clear, but he's going to limit the scope of that clarity. I think that's what he's getting ready to do. There's a lot packed in there, but that's very helpful. When we say we believe as Protestants in the perspicuity or the clarity of Scripture, we do not mean that anyone reading the Bible for the first time will make good sense of whatever verse they happen to fall upon. All right. Now, I wonder if most evangelicals believe that. Hey, the, the, the Bible, that doesn't mean the Bible is clear to, uh, to someone who just starts reading their Bible the first time they uh, come upon a certain verse. Okay, okay, okay. So then what about a Christian who 
has been saved for 10 years, been reading the Bible, but they have no formal theological education. They have never taken a class on hermeneutics. They've never read a book on hermeneutics. What do they have the same ability to interpret? Now, how far do you take this? Now, you're already saying, now you can be a brand new Christian and you won't have the ability to interpret the Bible as someone who's been a Christian for a long time. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute now. Wait a minute. So the clarity of scripture is determined by what I know, what I do. Well, then then uh, uh, how do we put that into practice? Oh, oh, you're a pastor and someone starts arguing with you and you're like, um, Hey, hey, whoa, 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 slow down, slow down. Scripture may be clear, but it's not clear to someone who hasn't had theological training or hermeneutical training. We don't, we never say that. So is it clear? So the Bible is clear. The, the, the clarity of scripture is determined on the personal ability of the one reading it. The clarity of scripture is determined by the personal ability of the one reading it. Nobody in Christianity acts that way. Because everyone in Christianity thinks that they can read it, they can declare what it says, and they condemn anyone else who doesn't agree with them. Or at least, even in the church, they'll just be dismissive of what the pastor says. They'll be like, I'm just going to do what I want anyway. So, I, I just like, the minute you start limiting it, it's clear, however... So-and-so may not have the ability. Well, how many so-and-sos can I place in the category of not having the ability? You notice that Westminster Confession said all things in Scripture are not alike plain. There are some plain parts and there are some confusing parts. Yet those things which are to be known are so clearly propounded in one place or another that by the use of ordinary means, we may attain to a sufficient understanding. So the confession is, is giving a very nuanced doctrine of clarity. Not everything is clear. But now, who gets, to, who gets to determine which is the clear part and which isn't the clear part? Who's the authority? Well, that's not a clear part, so, so there's no point in arguing it. I mean, obviously, it's not clear on repentance since no one can agree on what the word means. Obviously, it's not clear on baptism, since no one can agree on what the word means. Obviously, it's not very clear on sanctification, justification, regeneration, because nobody can agree on it. Clearly, it, uh, it's not clear on whether salvation is monergistic or synergistic, because, well, nobody can agree with it. Obviously, nobody can agree on whether sanctification is monergistic or synergistic. So I guess that's not, like, at, how do we determine what's the clear part? And, 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 and the Westminster Confession, because it's, it's very similar, obviously, to the London Baptist Confession, which we use, uh, it basically says that you can understand it through the use of ordinary means. What are those ordinary means? Ordinary means, like, just like your basic. Now, Augustine, if you go to, to, we, we were working on a book by Augustine on hermeneutics. We never finished it. We, we definitely need to get back to that book on hermeneutics by Augustine. But, um, that's, a, that's another story. I always end up getting sidetracked on series and we go work on another series. But all right. But the, the point is, is we, we learned enough from Augustine where he's like, look, basically the way you learn and how do you handle scripture is how you learn how to read and interpret anything. Your interpretive ability of the Bible is determined by your interpretive ability of anything else, a novel, Shakespeare, anything. Well, Okay, well, how, how well? So then that would determine, wait, 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 before we start arguing the Bible, how good are you at interpreting things? So before we read the Bible, I'm going to hand you a novel. I'm going to hand you a movie. I'm going to hand you, I need you to interpret it. I'm going to hand you song lyrics. Because if you don't have the ability to interpret that which is not sacred and divine, if you can't interpret that which is secular, then why would I listen to your interpretation of that which is sacred? Now try that as a pastor and see how well that goes. So what are the ordinary means? Obviously, someone would have to demonstrate a mastery of the ordinary means to be able to determine how well they can interpret Scripture. Once again, then you would say Scripture is only clear to those who have mastery over the ordinary means and can utilize those ordinary means. I will argue most people don't have a grasp or a mastery of the ordinary means when it comes to interpretation. They're very bad at interpreting novels, books, song lyrics. I mean, you know, for crying out loud, how many times you see some politician using Born in the USA by Bruce Springsteen at a political rally? 
What, oh, have you not read the lyrics? That's like someone using every breath you take by the police for a wedding song. No, that's a song about obsession and possession and, and that's stalker material. I can go through song after song and you're like, people don't even know how to interpret the lyrics. They don't know how to interpret the movie. They don't know how to interpret a novel. But yet they'll be right there going, no, 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 pastor. The Bible says. And you're like, okay, never mind. You're right. You're right. So if, if you're going to say the scriptures are sufficient, but you, in a sense, limit, well, I, it, there's not, there's some areas the Bible's not sufficient to answer. Okay, well, who gets to determine which areas it's sufficient to answer or not sufficient? Well, the Bible is clear, but it's not clear and everywhere. Well, who gets to determine which part is clear and which part is not clear? And then in both cases, he limits who may have the ability to do it or not do it. Well, then do we really have a strong stance saying, I'm sorry, Christian, you don't have the ability. But in the evangelical world, we believe everyone has the ability and everyone can do it, leading to the pervasive interpretive pluralism that has so riddled Christianity. But the most important things are clear here or there. And when things aren't clear, we compare Scripture against Scripture. But it's not immediately obvious. You have to use ordinary means. You have to study. You have to think. You have to read. So we need to have a proper understanding of the clarity of Scripture. Now, here we go. You have to you stop. You have to read. You have to compare Scripture with Scripture. Oh, man. I am so tired of hearing that. I'm sorry. That's always the answer. Well, the reason the reason there's so many different interpretations, people aren't comparing Scripture with Scripture. Everyone claims that they're comparing Scripture with Scripture. Harold Camping, who came to the conclusion that the world was going to end in 1994, clearly believed in the scripture, uh, sufficiency of Scripture, completely condemned the charismatic movement, didn't believe in any extra biblical revelation. All right. Uh, he he constantly taught compare Scripture with Scripture with Scripture, compare Scripture with Scripture, compare Scripture with Scripture, compare Scripture with Scripture over and over and over and over and over. He would tell you that he's he, he believes in the sufficiency of Scripture. He would tell you he believes in the clarity of Scripture. He would have said everything this man is saying, but then he started it off with, hey, the church, the world is going to end in 1994. And then when the world didn't end, he said, well, the world didn't end in 1994, but the church age came to an end. So now everyone needs to leave their local church because the local church is now in, is in control of Satan. And if you stay in the church, you've taken the mark of the beast and basically you're lost. And then he began to say, well, Christ is going to come back in, I don't know, 2010, 2011. I mean, and ult ultimately all of his predictions were wrong. Everything was an absolute disaster. And Harold Camping, who was the president of Family Radio, ultimately had a stroke. He did repent at least to some level before he died. But I know all about that because I was a, a student at the Family Radio School of the Bible uh, when he was very much in charge. And it was scripture and scripture alone and, and compare scripture with scripture and study the Bible and study the Bible and look things up. Th those are all vague terms because you can tell anyone to compare scripture with scripture and they'll take a scripture from the Old Testament, connect it to a one in the New Testament. They don't know what are the principles and rules of connecting scriptures together? What are the principles and the rules? Just compare scripture with scripture. Okay. Oh, I got this scripture. I got this scripture. See, pastor, they fit together. According to whom? Like, well, what are the rules? Study the Bible. Okay, how do you study it? Well, I mean, I read it and I highlight it. Like, you've got to then teach people how to study it. And not only that, what you're claiming is the Scripture is only clear to those who compare Scripture with Scripture, who study and do these things. Do we really, does, do we really act that way within the church? Do you look at someone and go, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. So what study methods are you using? You haven't? Well, then then you have no right to disagree. You think that that's going to stop them? They'll still tell you you're wrong and still leave. <laughs> and so, so his argument is, well, I mean, the Bible's sufficient, but I mean, it's not sufficient to answer everything. But so we can't expect an answer where it's not sufficient to answer, but who gets to determine when it's sufficient or not sufficient? Well, the Bible is clear, but I mean, it's not always clear, but I mean, we have to determine when it's not clear and when it is clear and you can understand it, but I mean, you have to study, you have to compare scripture with scripture with scripture with scripture. Yeah. Yeah. Meaning that, well, wait a minute, maybe, maybe it's not as clear as we think that it is. Most of you know, especially if you're a pastor, you love this verse. It gives you great hope. Second Peter 3.16, 
Peter says there are some things in Paul's letters that are hard to understand. And we say, yes, that's true. But then he goes on to say, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. Think about that. That is a really important verse for the clarity of scripture. On the one hand, Peter says, there are some things in Paul's letters, let's be honest, they're difficult. They're hard to understand. They're not immediately obvious. But then Peter doesn't go from there to say, so we just throw up our hands and say, well, all we have are our interpretations. He dares to say which the unstable and and the ignorant have twisted to their own destruction. So clearly Peter thinks even these hard passages of Paul have incorrect interpretations. But listen to that. So what you're saying is, well, then who gets to determine who has the wrong interpretation? Hey, if you're ignorant, if you're unlearned, if you're unstable, you're going to twist the scriptures to your own destruction. Who do you get to label as ignorant and unlearned and unstable? Do I get to tell the person who's disagreeing with me, you're ignorant, you're unlearned, and you're unstable? Or do you get to tell me that I'm ignorant, and I'm unlearned, and I'm unstable? Who gets to determine who that is? Once again, it would seem that, well, scriptures are not always clear because, well, they're they're difficult to understand, and, well, people can literally twist them to their own destruction. Well, how do you know you're not twisting them? How do I know I'm not twisting them? Who gets to determine? And it's always amazing that we never think we're twisting them. We always think it's someone else who's twisting them. They're hard, and some people have twisted them to their own destruction. In other words, yeah, we admit that some of them are difficult, but we also recognize that some people have some wrong interpretations about them. So the, the admittance of hermeneutical difficulty does not have to lead us into complete and utter epistemological defeat. You can humbly approach the text and say, this is, this is difficult, and then I'm weighing some different issues, without leading you to a place where you say, we can't really know anything about what we know. It demonstrates that Peter knew there was a right and wrong interpretation of Paul, even when it was difficult to understand. So we need a proper understanding of the sufficiency, of the clarity. Here's the third point. And we'll stop right there because we are at 62 minutes. We'll stop right there. So we stopped at the 3827 mark. 30, I'm sorry, 3827. I turned away from the microphone. 3827 mark. And uh, yeah, that's where we'll stop. We will obviously proceed, maybe tonight, definitely tomorrow, and we'll try to finish this up and see. It's raising lots of the questions that I constantly get frustrated with, but you know what? Um, I thought I would listen to someone else try to deal with it and try to give an answer, because if you can come up with an answer, I'm all for it, but he didn't come up with an answer at all. Those two things didn't answer anything. He limited sufficiency, he limited clarity, but he doesn't get to determine who gets to say what's sufficient and what's clarity. And then he tries to say, well, it's only clear, though, if you then possess that ability to interpret it. But who gets to, who do you get to say you don't, who gets to determine who has the ability or don't has the ability? Is there a test? No, people go look for a church. And then they determine what does that church believe and what do they teach? What's their interpretation? And then they say that church is right or that church is wrong. And then they go to another one or they go find one. So it's the people in the pew making the ultimate decision on how, what the church, uh, what, which church is right and which church is wrong. So no matter how much you want to say about the church, it's the individuals who make the determination because they pick the church they think is right until that church disagrees with them. And then they'll go find a different church. No matter how much ability they have or don't have, <laughs> there, there, there is no test. It's, it's crazy. All right. I'll stop right there. There's so much more I could say. Please email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. If you are listening on Church One or the Sermons 2.0 app, if you could tell me in fact, I don't know. Do I have the inter- uh, the notification here on my iPad? 
if you could tell me about 55 minutes ago if we lost connection on Church One or Sermons 2.0, because we've been broadcasting 65 minutes and 55 minutes ago. So about, so about 10 minutes into the broadcast, supposedly we lost connection on Sermons 2.0 and Church One, supposedly. Um, and I, I just want to know if, if we had any problems or if just the notification system just happened to send out another notification, but nothing happened. I never saw anything here to indicate a problem. But if you heard a problem, please let me know. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. All right. There we go. Thanks for listening on this Friday, April the 7th, 2023. Hopefully you had some fun. Hopefully we learned some things. Hopefully you're about as frustrated with the problem as I am. Uh, I'm hoping that somewhere in his the rest of his points. Um, okay. All right, someone says there was a slight pause here and some silence for a few seconds. Okay, so then we must have, uh, we must have lost connection on church one. I don't know why. Have no way. I don't I don't know why. Uh, but we definitely didn't lose any connection anywhere else. I'm not going to I'm just worried about that right now because I'm trying to make sure everything is working correctly, but you know, who knows? Who knows what happened. All right. When you've got multiple screens open and I can't look at all, like I've got to look at uh, the Spreaker connection. I've got to look at the Church One connection. I'm also looking at an iPad, looking at a Bible, got a notebook, got pencils. So there's like 15 and I'm trying to talk. So uh, sometimes I may miss something. So, but okay. I'm glad it was only for a few seconds. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Everyone have a great, 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 great day. And uh, we'll be back live. I don't know if we'll be back this evening. We'll see. Um, But we'll see if we can get another broadcast in if possible. Thanks for listening. God bless.